Join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes. Every day I'll give you insights and encouragement. That's a year in the Bible, available now wherever you get your podcasts. For me, I'm a pastor, and I deal with real people, people just like you every day, people that have a hurt or they have something going on and they're trying to figure out how do I deal with this and I always know Jesus has the answer he has that next step for you let's open up the word today and see what God will say specifically to you sometimes God asks you to do a self-evaluation What he's saying to John is, what John, excuse me, what Jesus is saying to Peter is, Peter, I know you messed up. Peter knows he's messed up. Has it ever made you mad when someone pointed out when you did something wrong? Yeah. Has it ever hurt you? See, no one likes having our flaws pointed out, do we? But Jesus, Jesus does it in a kind way, doesn't he? He does it in a loving way. And do you still love me? And, and what Peter is learning in the midst of this is, I can love God, I can love Jesus, I can fall short of the mark, and he still loves me, he still accepts me, It doesn't put me in the bin of unusable. You see that? See, you, you don't get taken off the shelf as irregular. You know what I'm saying? You you don't get thrown in the discard pile. You don't get put to the side. He says, Pete, your mistakes do not keep you from being. The rock. Hmm. See, you and I, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we keep making our list of our flaws. Well, you know, if I had grown up in a Christian home or if I knew more about God or if I understood the Bible or if I hadn't had that one night, we come down to these crazy things and we think, and, and Peter right now, he's not saying that one night does not exclude me from discipleship. Hmm. There's hope for me. There's hope for you. All right? Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You're God for sakes. I mean, come on. You know that I love you, Jesus said. Then feed my sheep. Jesus seems to have one, one focus. If you love me, let's get on with it. It's time to start helping. Well, who are the sheep? Well, didn't God create all the world and all of humanity? Yeah. So he's like, get out there and get to every one of the people that you can with the rest of the life of breath in you and let them know that I am real, that I've risen from the dead. Get out there. and Let's get going, son. Don't let the failures of the past, don't let the, the mistakes of your past 
keep you from moving forward. See, one of the, the, the greatest realities that you and I face in the time in which we live is some of us want it to go back to normal. God wants us to get moving forward. I don't believe we want to go back to Egypt. I don't believe we want to go back to the way life was. We need to move forward. That's what God is about. And so in moving forward, you have to learn to stand with who you are. Can you imagine how many times Peter had to tell his story around the globe? Okay, because we know Peter, Peter made it all across the empire at that time. We don't know all the places we made it to, but we know that he showed up. And at times it was around campfires, at times it was in synagogues, at times it was in community squares. But, but they would say, well, tell us about your following him. Well, let me just tell you my story. And as part of his testimony, he had to say, you need to know. The night that they arrested Jesus and they brutalized him, I saw it. But I denied that I was his friend. See, we, we're afraid to admit our failures. We're still protecting ourselves. Pete didn't get that option. You really don't have that option. If you're going to have moxie, you've got to be willing to stand up and admit, I screwed up, and this is the way I screwed up. Okay? But I'm moving forward. That doesn't define who I am for the rest of my life. Okay? So can you stand up for who you are? The question is, who were you before? Do you know what your life was like before you met God? I mean, were you restless? Were you aimless? Were you fill in the blank? Were you broken? You know? And then when did you finally take God seriously? You know, the, the broken person said, I finally found someone who could fix me. You know, the perfect car repair shop. You know what I'm saying? When I found God, He transformed the, my life. He healed the broken wound in my life. You know, for me, I, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, but, but I had to, when I was, you know, about 19 years old, I decided that I was going to make God my God, not the God of my parents. And for me, the first step was, I mean, I already knew God, but the first step was I was going to be baptized of my own volition. My parents had me baptized because of their worldview and, and I had to make the decision, no, I'm all in. I want to be baptized in water because I need me to know that. Does that make sense? No disrespect to them. This is all respect for God and my choice in that. If you haven't done that, and, and I can tell you that in that moment, my life was forever changed. After that, I began to realize that I had to stand up for what it meant to be a Christian for me, not because of my heritage or my identity. And at some point, every one of us, if you're a teenager here today, you've got to decide, do you believe in your worldview because of what your parents believe or because of what you believe? Is it your worldview? That makes parents nervous because sometimes they abandon our worldview. But guess what? They've got to know who they believe and what they believe. And that's why this is an important discussion. Okay? And when are you most likely to share your hope? You know? 
And I think, I think the, the reason we'll share our story with other people is when we believe our story matters to that person. When we believe that our, our story matters. And over time of, of sharing your story, you begin to see that your story matters because your God's story is the way God works in real people's lives and you're willing to tell other people about how God has worked in your life. It's not an arrogance. It's not a, a rudeness. It's not that. No, no. It's, it's more about the fact that you just realize that if I don't tell them they'll never hear from somebody like me. And, and you begin to believe that your life matters to the tapestry of all of God's people that is out there. When, when, you, when you look at, at the variety of God's people, it's like looking at one of Grandma's quilts. Now think about this for a second. Grandma would unfurl a quilt and she would say, now this, this part of the quilt reminds me of Grandpa when he was working at the mill. You understand what I'm saying? And then she would take different pieces about their life and whatnot. Well, the tapestry of the church is, this is the body of Christ in Africa, and this is the body of Christ in India, and this is the body of Christ in Columbus. And you see what I'm saying? It's this beautiful tapestry of men and women and young people of every tongue and tribe all over the world. It's a beautiful picture of the nature of God and His relationship with His creation and how he's made himself real. Will you let us help you in this process? Listen to Peter. He tells us what we need to do. Remember, we're still talking about Peter, right? But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared. Say always. So just not on the weekends? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. There's a couple things in there that I think Peter makes that are really clear. Number one, he says, we need to always be prepared to share the hope that we have. So it's about the hope. Why do you have hope in the midst of the world in which we live in? Well, it's God. God has been the source of our hope throughout our lifetime, throughout this season. But secondly, he says, make sure when you share it, you, you share it in a way that is palatable. Don't be rude. Don't be obnoxious. Don't be pushy. Don't be angry. Don't be shouting at people that you're going to hell. You're an awful person. You scum. It's not attractive. Abandon that. Set it aside. Try, you know, you look like a perfect person to experience God's love. Try, you are an amazing person. You ever think about who made you? Because this couldn't just happen. I don't believe someone as wonderful as you just happened. Everything about you seems so perfectly designed, like you were designed for something amazing. How's that sound like a pickup line? Try introducing people to God's love. If I find out you're using my lines to pick up people, I will come after you. <laughs> Goodness me. Sick. Where did you learn that line? Church? Want to go? <laughs> Another pickup line. Oh, where am I? The other thing that Peter says here is that people will maliciously malign you. He says that there's evil in the world, that, there, that you and I are going to have to contend 
with that. Do not forget that. Do not forget that evil is in this world. Do not forget that. Will you let us help you prepare? Would you, would you let the church come into your life and begin to challenge you to raise the bar that you can do more, that you can share more, you can say more, that you can make a difference? Can I, can I tell you that, that this is probably not a good thing for me to admit, but, but I was never really impressed with Christians. <laughs> I was never really impressed... Uh, and, 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 and I thought, man, I don't know that I really want to be a Christian. It was one of the, the hurdles that I had to come across was, I just thought, man, if I follow God, I'm going to miss out on so much fun. You may have thought that. I clearly did. I just admitted it, okay? I mean, I, I, I looked at pastors and I thought, man, there's no way I ever want to be a pastor. Ah, I mean, those guys, so boring. Huh. They dress so bad. I mean... I don't even know how to say it, you know. But what I learned is this. When I came to know the Lord and I gave my life to Him, instead of believing that it would diminish my life, I found out that God opened up doors of opportunity. It totally transformed my life. Because I said yes to God, I've had the, I have the awesome, amazing experience of meeting so many wonderful people from all over the world. I, I, I've... I would have never gotten the education that I got were it not for God. He challenged me. He, he, he put me in a position. He opened doors for me to get an education that I never even desired. And, and then God opened the door for me. I've, I've been to Mexico, to Africa, to India, to Israel, sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with some of the most amazing people. And, and you cannot tell me that my relationship with God over the past 36 years has been a diminishing of my life. It's been an expanding of my life. And I tell you that because some of you are still believing that the ungodly way is more fruitful than the godly way, and it just, you're wrong. The godly way is the only fruitful way in life. And... and if you want to get out of the ditch, say, okay, I'll take your help, God, and move on, okay? So, so what do I or we need to stand up for, okay? Let, let me start in your preparation. Number one, you need to stand up for yourself and God. You need to just stand up and say that, that I'm God's child, that I believe that He's the creator of the universe, that He created me, that He's designed me because of my relationship with Jesus. I am set apart, made holy and pleasing to God, and I have significance and value, and I, I am here because of His goodness. When I was a, a young man, my mom decided that my, my brothers and I need etiquette coaching. Surprise? So she actually hired a coach to come into our house and teach us which fork was the proper fork. She taught us how to stand up properly and to introduce ourselves. Hello, I'm Doyle. And to have a little bit of a spiel about who we are, what our experience was, who, who we were. I believe that every child needs this now, all right? She also made me go and learn my Color Me Beautiful palette. That's why I'm wearing blue today, all right? It goes with my eyes and, uh, hello, you see what I'm saying? And, 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 and 
Are you ready to stand up and say, you know, my life has been transformed by my relationship with God. I used to bounce around, but now I'm just kind of steady, consistent, hope-filled every day. What's your story? But stand up and say, you know, I'm going to stand up because I believe that I'm created by God, I have significance, and that God is there, okay? Secondly, God's Word and God's people. Are you going to stand up for God's Word and God's people? I'm, I'm tired of people who, who apologize for the church. Tell me, where would orphanages be, schools be, science be, government be without the church? Our government, our form of government was built upon a concept that every human being is valuable and should be a part of the governed. Hello! You cannot have our form of government without a belief that there is a moral law and a moral character. It's why we have the Ten Commandments on, on our justice system. If we abandon morality and God, then where will that come from? And so you've got to start with just the idea that, that, that the church and God's Word are important. The Bible says that the Word of God in Hebrews is sharper than a two-edged sword. It cuts between the spiritual and the material. So, so that Jesus that walked through the wall, yeah, there's something about the Word of God that gives you access to that supernatural realm that, that understands something that's beyond just the physical world in which you and I live. And so you and I, we, we have to embrace this idea that, that there's this, this holiness in this relationship to God and, and all that this... And that's why the Word of God becomes important. And I know a lot of people have a lot of things to rip on the Bible, but let me tell you, I've studied it. All the ancient texts in the world, it is the most reliable, most sourced ancient book in history. More copies, everything about it. Just do a little research, I promise you. I had to do it myself. I, I, I did it because I wanted to know what I was believing. It was part of that process. When I was 19, I flung myself into it. I flung myself into understanding world religions and understanding the Word of God. Why? Because I believed for me to be intelligently engaged in this, I had to put myself into it to really understand it. I wasn't willing to be just a bystander. And then thirdly, moral values and godly people and govern it. It's in, in 1 Timothy, it says that you and I are to pray for the kings and the people in power so that, that, that peace might reign so that the gospel can go out. And what, what Paul is telling Timothy is this. Listen, without, without godly government, without morality, then, then you and I cannot have a society where people can live and experience God. And so you and I have to stand up for moral values, and we have to stand up for a godly government. Now you say, well, well I, don't, I don't understand what the big deal is. Well, you and I have lived in our society for the past 20 plus years, and we've made an argument again and again in our culture. I'm not saying we that I have, but our culture has that what we really are is secular humanists, and that what we really need is a secular society, and that's what we want. But I just want to be clear on this. If we take God out of the equation, what's to determine what's right and what's wrong? And how do we not know that that's not going to fluctuate? Most of the people that, that I've known in my life that were 
were, were genuinely agnostics. They said, well, I don't believe in God. You know, I want to set God aside. It was because they wanted to set God aside so they would have the freedom to do whatever they wanted to because they knew without God, there's no restraint. And see, that's the honest truth. But let me ask you this. If you truly believe that there is no God, you set him aside and there is no God, can you tell me where does love come from? Because see, if you and I are just a a being out here of, of, of random chemicals, how can I look at you and say, I love you? And what guarantee do you have that I'll stay around if I've told you I've loved you? Because see, there is no, there's no moral imperative because as soon as I'm done with you and I find someone else that's better for me, I move on. And if I'm a company, I only, carry, I only care about what makes the bottom line work and corporations that are arguing for a secular society and to remove God from the, from the workforce and the place in which we live, what they're really saying is, I'm here to do what's best for me as long as I'm here. And see, we need morality. We need some system. And if we all know that one day we're going to be judged and we're going to meet our maker, hello, I've told you that I'm, I'm guilty of the great British baking show. I have now watched every episode. They should give me a badge. I should get an award of some kind. But I've noticed something. I've noticed something. They bring, they, they bring their goods before the judge, and the judge cuts into it. They taste it. Paul and Prue, yes, that's how much I've watched it ingrained in my mind. Your biscuit doesn't snap. I really like a biscuit to snap, Paul says. You know, your sponge, it's a little dry. And here's the person standing there. You're right. I left it in too long. I didn't cook it long enough. You're right. And they're like, thank you. And I'm like, these these guys are all in. They're all in. Now, because I've run out of those, Jennifer has forced me on to other things. (laughs) And I've noticed a new pattern. They come before the judge and they argue. The new pattern, now can I tell you, I I know why this is. There's a producer standing over there. And the producer wants to create the tension to keep the audience. They don't care if it's true or not. Okay? We live in a world that wants produced lives to get the clicks, to get the watches, to get the views. And you need to know, there's, there's something wrong there. But if you believe that one day you will stand between before the the great white throne of judgment and the Lord of life, and you'll stand before your creator, and you're going to argue? No, no, no. My sponge is perfect. Yeah. I submit you're going to look more like the witch from Oz that's just a poop. This is Pastor Doyle Jackson for The Church Next Door. Reading the Bible is important. It's something that every Christian should do. It will transform your life. It'll help you grow spiritually. It is good for you. 
join me for a year in the Bible. It's less than five minutes every day. We'll give you insights and we'll encourage you. So read the Bible with me and join me daily. That's a year in the Bible available now wherever you get your podcasts. Miss part of the show today and want to hear more? Well, you are invited to download and subscribe to Your Next Step on all major podcasting platforms. If you'll pray with me right now, I believe that God's going to move, that God's going to change some lives, that God is going to transform the world in which we live in. And so I invite you right now, let's just, let's do this together. Let's not waste any more time. What if we took a moment and just pray for our schools and colleges today? Lord, we we thank you for our nation because uh, our nation really believed in education early on. And God, it was the church It was the believers who started Harvard and Yale and Princeton. So many of our best educational institutions were started as Bible schools, as as institutions of learning to train God's people to serve you. And that's why we come before you today to pray for our colleges and our schools. Lord, we know, we know about all the shenanigans and the the false teachings that have gone on through the universities and the colleges, and that's why we pray today. We pray that you would begin to clean house, that you would be the judge over our educational institutions, that you would cause the ones that will bring life to flourish, and that you would diminish those that would harm our children. Lord, we're asking you to give us wisdom as parents. What schools do we send our children to? Do we teach them ourselves? And how do we educate our children in a world that's debating these things? Lord, we're praying that you would arise and that you would would make your way. Lord, we've seen revivals at Yale in the past. We've seen revivals at Harvard in the past. And we're asking for revival in our higher education, in, in our colleges, our universities, our high schools, Lord. We pray for the ministries that minister to students, Lord. We pray for our churches to be effective at reaching students. May they go from college into the ministry, Lord. So, Lord, today we call on you, the God of all providence, to show mercy and grace and move in our educational systems. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I know I know that that prayer was good and that you were part of that, but I want to take you to the next step because that's what we're all about here, right? So would you go to yournextstepnow.com? That's our website and give us your email address and we're going to give you our ebook. It's a prayer guide. This month it's free. Know that it's free. It's not going to cost you. You just have to give me your email address and then you and I can become prayer partners for the ministry. I need you to pray with me, agree with me. Our world needs revival. We need you to become a prayer partner. This community needs you. So go to yournextstepnow.com, give us your email address, and get your free prayer guide ebook today. Your Next Step is a ministry of the church next door in Columbus, Ohio. Your prayers for us are always valued. But to financially support the ministry, visit thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. That's thechurchnextdoor.org and click on Give. Of course, we'll be glad to send you a gift of thanks in return. For more resources to guide and grow your faith, you can visit doylejackson.com. That's D-O-Y-L-E jackson.com. If you need prayer or have questions, text us at 888 644 
888-644-4034. That's 888-644-4034. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time for your next step.